There are only five spots left in the pioneer tier of the MMA Fight Archive. I want to quickly shout out everybody that's already signed up for it and showing the support. I greatly appreciate every single one of you. But again, there are only five of spots left to lock in 25% savings on the entirety or lifetime of the membership that you sign up for. So make sure you guys take full advantage of that. We got over 1,200 or close to 1,200 fighter profiles on there currently with new profiles being added daily. Uh, we got KSW up there, Aries FC. We already started dropping for the Road to UFC, which starts at the end of the month. And then just around the corner, we got the Contender Series coming up. And this is that will be a great time to see the full functionality, to see the full use of what the MMA Fight Archive could be used for. And that will all be found link in the description below top comment it will be posted as well only five spots left make sure you hop on before they're all gone and then you'll be stuck paying the full price if you sign up after that again it's not even that bad either considering the amount of work and the amount of links and amount of content that's going to be up there for you guys i promise you will not be disappointed Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. This week, or at least the second half of this week, because we got a doubleheader this week, we're covering Bellator 296, headlined by a middleweight title fight between Gegard Mousasi and Fabian Edwards. Musashi obviously looking to bounce back after losing his title to reigning champion Johnny Eblen and Fabian Edwards trying to recapture the fire that was on his name before he got his nine fight unbeaten streak uh, snapped to Costello Vanstinas who actually finds himself on this card as well. In the Komen event we got Mansoor Barnoui going up against Brent Primus as a part of the uh, the opening round of the lightweight grand prix and then like i said costello vanstinas looking to pick up the biggest win of his bellator career by going up against former champion and slumping fighter douglas lima a ton of other great fights sprinkled out throughout this card for Bellator's return to France. Very excited for this card uh, going down on Friday. So make sure you guys are tuned in for that. And then obviously the UFC nice and early on Saturday. I believe first fight for the UFC kicks off at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. So it's going to be uh, lunch with the UFC. So make sure you guys don't get caught napping there. All right. Uh, last plug for the MMA Fight Archive. Five spots left on the Pioneer tier, which saves you 25% on the lifetime of your membership if you like to research predict analyze or break down fights this is the perfect resource out there for you covering some of the biggest organizations in the world not to mention aries fc which goes down this weekend as well road to ufc which goes down at the end of the month those uh, links are already starting to drop and then contender series which is just around the corner this is what the mma fight archive thrives in is especially in the contender series make sure you guys check it out if you want all links to pretty much every competitor that's uh, competing on these cards upcoming cards the mma fight archive is your one-stop shop to help you get all your researching needs done with 
All right, let's get right into the breakdowns here. You guys know me. I don't like to take too much time with my Bellator breakdowns. I like to get through them, through them a little bit more efficiently than the UFC breakdowns that I do, but I still want to drop them for you guys because I know you guys fiend this extra content, and I'm right here to provide it for you. All right, first fight of the night. We're going to go with Jose Augusto going up against Simone Biong or Simon Biong. Very intriguing light heavyweight fight here between two guys that can definitely throw down in terms of the striking realm but I think it's going to be Beyong's uh, grappling advantage that he'll have in this matchup his ability to mix up his grappling behind his striking maybe even find a knockout of Augusto uh, midway through this fight but I think he's going to be using his hands to find the chin of Beyong, then change the levels and drag this fight to the ground where he can have good success from on top I'm not expecting him to Khabib him by any means but I think that he'll be able to control him long enough and then get him back to the ground when Augusto inevitably gets back to his feet He'll be able to control the majority of this fight. I think he ultimately wins it by um, finding a ground and pound position, probably in the second or third round, or eventually even just finding the chin on the feet. But I like Biong in this fight uh, a decent amount. I think he wins this fight. Augusto is no slouch, don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to struggle with the speed, explosiveness, power of Biong, and then ultimately that top control that Biong will be enjoying in this matchup. Next up, we're going to be going over Burama Kamara going up against Roman Debien. Uh, intriguing fight here as we have 6-4 uh, Kamara as a welterweight. That's a very long and lanky frame for this 170-pound division. Uh, he doesn't look to really use it um, all that much in terms of his... Uh, being able to dictate the range like i still feel he's struggling in terms of just keeping his opponent at distance using his one twos down the middle he has a good kicking game obviously coming from a kickboxing background uh but his ground game that's a part of his game that's still improving we've seen him have success in terms of getting that top position against certain opponents but we've also seen him get grinded out by other opponents in the past and that's ultimately what i think that debian is going to be successful in doing he should be able to land some takedowns and do some good work from on top but i think the hit ability of Kamara is going to come back and bite him in the ass here he has a little bit of that tall man defense issue where he keeps his chin a little bit too high and I feel like the big power that Debian brings to the table here could find the chin of Kamara and put him out I think that Kamara is still a little bit raw and is still a little bit green in terms of how to use this long lanky frame for the welterweight division which is ultimately why I think he's going to get clipped here and put down We've seen him hurt a ton in the past, and he's managed to rally back and still get his hand raised in some of those fights. But I think he's going to struggle here with the uh, somewhat underrated Debian, who has a you know a, a salty eight and four record. Um. Uh, but the one thing that we really need to remember about Debian also over his last eight, eight fights, he's seven and one. So he started off his career one and three and has really bounced back and started to, you know, get some momentum on him on his side. And I think he'll be able to continue that momentum here by knocking out Kamara. Next up, we're going to go with Asael Ajuj going up against George Sasu. Uh, Ajuj, an SBG Ireland product, uh, seemed to start off as a striker, but has really rounded out the grappling portion of his game. He had a very tough fight in his last matchup against Kyle McClurkin. I believe that was the kid's first name, but McClurkin, I believe, was uh, his last name. Oh, no, sorry, uh, Liam McCracken. <laughs> I'm getting all these uh, Irish names completely mixed up because they all freaking sound the same. Can't, can you blame me? Irish, Wales, whatever it is. Um, 
But uh, I, I really, I actually picked McCracken in that last matchup because I was a little bit more impressed by him, thinking that he could be the one getting the better of the grappling positions. But Ajuj really showed solid improvements in his grappling game, where he was the one usually ending up on top in some of these scrambling positions. And then obviously he's the better striker as well, so you know that he has that in his back pocket. But I really like his ability to mix in the grappling, uh, stay ahead in the scrambles. And usually get the better of his opponents. I think Sasu is a bit of a step down from McCracken. And even though McCracken uh, still has a lot to prove and is in, early, is, is in the early parts of his career, I think that kid's going to have a bright future. And looking back at it now, this win for Ajuj would be a big... or will have been a big victory for him, the one that he got in his last fight. But here again, Sasu, a guy hasn't been in the cage for over a year and a half. It seems like he prefers to strike if he feels he has a legitimate uh, striking advantage over his opponents. But even in the grappling realm, I think he's going to get outgrappled by a juge in the spot. I'm not the most impressed with a juge. And even though we don't have a ton of tape on him, uh, sorry, I'm not impressed with Sasu, and even though we don't have a ton of tape on him, I feel like a Juju will end up getting the better of Sasu in most positions here. Beat him up on the feet, beat him up in the grappling, and then eventually win this fight by decision. I feel pretty good about a Juju and think that he's worth the chalk, to be honest. And I think he comes out relatively unscathed in this matchup. Next up, we got Fabicari Diate going up against Care Harvey. Uh, Care stepping out on super, super short notice here. Uh, funnily enough, I woke up this morning and noticed that there was a change in the matchup. Uh, this is Thursday before the fight, and uh, I had to do my tape on him quickly. And I gotta say, you know, Bellator did a pretty good job in terms of finding uh, a solid replacement for Diati or Diata, and uh, you know, really making this a challenging matchup for him. I still expect Diata to be a decent favorite here, but anything over minus two hundred, I think, is going to be a little bit a little too wide. Now, Harvey is coming back off of a, a three week layoff where he ended up going to a draw uh, over there in the cage promotion I believe that takes place in Finland uh, and he had a pretty spirited effort in that matchup he got hurt in the first round and then rallied back to win the next two rounds in my opinion which should have given him the decision that night the fight ended up going to a split draw so it was unfortunate that he was not able to have any uh, finality to that his last two fights have actually gone to a draw, which is very unfortunate for him. So I'm, I'm sure he's looking for some finality here since the last uh, um, fight that he actually got his hand raised in was back in 2021. Now he has some, you know, solid experience with some premier regional MMA organizations like the aforementioned Cage. He's also performed for Cage Warriors and he even has fights under the EFC banner over there in South Africa. He's of Scottish descent and he's a solid all-around fighter. You know, decent striking, but he seems to do really good in terms of putting the pressure on his opponents with his grappling, dragging them to the ground and looking for success there. But I think that Diata will likely be more prepared for this fight. Obviously, having a, a solid training camp and not having such a quick turnaround from his last matchup, uh, he's the better striker for sure, in my opinion. And then in the grappling realm, I expect that to be a little bit closer than most expected to be. But I think that Diata will still end up getting the better positions and end up grinding this fight out and winning it by decision. It's a closer fight than the odds will likely indicate. Because normally when we get, you know, a relatively unknown guy stepping in on sh super short notice against the guy that Bellator is seemingly rooting for, the, the, the hometown Frenchman, usually we get a uh, pretty wild odds. So if you get anything better than plus 300 on the... Uh, 
the Harvey side, maybe it's worth a little bit of a poke there, even plus 250. But I feel like Diato will be the one ending up on the winning side here, utilizing his full MMA game and uh, winning this fight by decision. Moving on to the next fight, we got Tim Wilde going up against Chris Gonzalez. Very fun fight here. Not sure why it's uh, buried on the prelims. I believe it's a main card-worthy fight. Uh, Tim Wilde, solid fighter, about to turn 36, uh, I believe in the next month or two. Uh, comes from a karate background. Trains out of the same gym as Leon Edwards and Fabian Edwards. Uh, you know, I believe it's Team Renegade out of England. Um, he uses, like, like I said, likes to utilize the striking style. Has that bladed stance where he likes to kind of blitz in and out with his strikes. Straight shots down the pipe. Uh, obviously, his his shortcoming is in the grappling realm, uh, but he's shown some improvements, just like his teammates have been able to do in the past. But I think he's going to struggle with the uh, style of Chris Gonzalez, who I think is, is still a very yeah. I guess he's a veteran now more than he is a prospect, considering the level of opponents that he's been going up against. And even though he had losses to Gaioti Yamauchi and Usman Nurmagomedov, those were good experiences for him and learning lessons for him as he continues to take his steps up in competition uh, he's coming off a big victory over max roskopf i believe that happened earlier this year where he showcased his superior striking where he was able to eventually get the knockout but his bread and butter which is obviously the greco-roman wrestling which he ended up making the national team for back in 2016 i think he's going to be able to utilize that wrestling as well as his power punching style to find the chin of tim wilde and continuously hurt him in this matchup i think that ultimately ends up with the knockout for him here whether it comes from ground and pound or from landing that big shot on the feet and putting him out there Tim Wilde is a much tougher opponent than most people expect him to be. And he has taken some, you know, uh, some high level losses, if you want to call it that, from er earlier on in his career. But he is a guy that, uh, you know, he's... I think he's just closer to the end of his career. And Chris Gonzalez is on a completely different trajectory right now. I think he is destined to get back into title talks within the next year or two, and I think that this will be a big win for his resume to get himself back into that discussion. So give me Chris Gonzalez. Feeling pretty damn good about it as well, and I think he wins this fight inside the distance. Next up, we're going to go with Sarvarjan Hamidov going up against Kevin Petschi. Uh, Hamidov, a Tajikistan or a fighter from Tajikistan with a 14-0 record. And you guessed it, the guy likes to grapple. He wants to take his opponents to the ground, smash them from on top or control them. And then he's also improving his striking game, which is what allowed him to get his last big knockout. Um, I can't recall the name of his opponent but we see that he's actually having solid um, uh, progression in his striking game. He's been splitting time in terms of his training with Thailand and Tajikistan, or Tajikistan, I should say. Um, and he's still very young where he can continue to make these improvements and really make a splash in this Bellator uh, promotion. I think he is one of those guys just waiting to continuously get that step up in competition so that he can continue, continue to prove himself. And I think he'll find himself within that ranking system uh, by the end of this year if they continue to um, give him uh, consistent uh, matchups and consistent steps up in matchup and i think that this is a good fight for his skill set uh Petschi is a guy that has a striking type frame but likes to use his grappling uh even though um you know, it feels like he has the power and explosiveness in his striking. He prefers to drag these opponents to the ground and try to grind them up from that top position. 
This guy has a ton of experience. Over 23 fights. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over 23 fights. And he even has a loss. His first ever loss, I believe, came at the hands of Paddy Pimler back in 2016. Most of his losses have come via submission. So I think he will struggle if he's the one being the nail in the ha or nail and hammer situation and grappling situations. And I think that's what's going to end up happening here. I think Sarvajan is too good for him. I think Sarvajan is more than worthy of the chalk here. And on other, unless there's some sort of like Hail Mary knockout situation for Apechi, I think Hamidov wins this fight with relatively no issues i'm going to say inside the distance i think he finds a dominant position on top and ground and pounds him and wins that fight moving on to the next fight we got eve landu going up against piotr nizilski um very intriguing fight here where uh, both guys um they have similar styles in the fact that they can grapple if they need to but they also do really good work in the striking realm Landu very explosive and fast early in the early goings of fights but if he gets stretched into the deeper waters that's where we usually see him come up short and that's where I think that Pyotr Nielzelski also ends up coming up short but I think that he has a better grappling game than Landu brings to the table which is why I'm going to end up leaning with the Polish men here I think the Polish fighter can go out there and deal with that early striking advantage that Landu will likely have by turning the tables changing levels and dragging fights to the ground and wearing on Landu taking out that big power from him and then grinding him uh, en route to a decision victory it was a very unfortunate loss for Nizudski last time around against Richie Smolin but that was a fight where we saw that his cardio issues could come back and really bite him in the ass luckily for him in this matchup he has another guy who has some cardio issues in his own right which I think that we'll see Nizudski be able to take advantage of being the stronger grappler and controlling those positions more effectively so give me the uh, Polishman Pyotr Nizudski and I think he wins this fight via decision Next up, we got Saul Rogers going up against Davy Gagnon. Uh, very intriguing fight here between two guys that like to grapple. Uh, Rogers, brown belt, and BJJ, but has done a great job in terms of rounding out his striking game, working with the guys over there at Killcliffe FC. Uh, recently, he's been really spending time with guys like Linton Vassell and Danny Roberts. Both solid strikers in their own right. And you see those improvements in Rogers' game. David Gagnon comes from a judo background and utilizes his wrestling pretty well uh, or his grappling pretty well. And I think that this is one of those fights where his um, ability to get the fight to the ground and uh, um, enjoy the top position is going to be the difference maker in this fight. It will be close early and Rogers might have some success of his own, but I think that Gagnon will be the one getting the better positions later on in this fight and grinding this fight on out on road to a decision victory. I believe the over two and a half is probably the best spot in this matchup, but I'm still going to go with Gagnon to grind this one out. As long as he can stay out of the submissions and even a knockout opportunity from Rogers, I think that Gagnon controls this fight for the most part, utilizes his superior gas tank and grinds this fight out to a decision victory. Next up, we got a very intriguing grappling fight here, or at least a, a fight between two grapplers and Oliver Onkamp going up against Luca Poklit. A very fun fight here. Onkamp, uh, BJJ Black Belt, if I'm not mistaken, utilizes a karate style in terms of his striking where he uses a lot of kicks and a lot of in-and-out movement, but he seems to do his best work when he's able to get fights to the ground and utilizes jujitsu. We saw him pull off a buggy choke in his last matchup against Mark Leminger, a choke that we don't normally see at this level in MMA, but he was able to pull it off with very solid efficiency, especially considering that his opponent seemed to be slowing down in terms of his gas tank, and he was able to take full 
advantage of that. Ankamp has been grinded out in some of his losses, and I believe that he was one of those guys that ended up in the UFC a little bit earlier than he should have been, but he was able to get his hand raised regardless and still pull off the victory uh, even after losing in the UFC back-to-back fights. Um, he's still a solid fighter, and I believe he still has some decent potential. His opponent, Luca Poclet, is a very solid fighter who for- lost his first professional fight back in 2012 to Mirbek Taisumov. He took off four years after that and has not looked back as he's won eight straight victories now. He's finished six of them too, with a lot of them coming via utilizing his jiu-jitsu. He trains out of SVG Ireland, and just like Oliver Ancamp, he's another guy that likes to utilize his crafty jiu-jitsu game to get some of his wins. He even invented a new choke that he pulled off in his last fight against Dante Shiro, which they now call the Lucanator choke. I'm not even able to explain it because that's how wild it was, but it was from a very unorthodox position where he was able to put Shiro out cold and win that fight via technical submission. I believe that this is a very intriguing clash of two different BJJ styles, but I think it's going to come down to the grappling or at least wrestling advantage that I believe that Poklet has in this matchup. I believe Ankamp is the slightly slicker striker here, but that won't be enough for him as I believe the majority of this fight will play out in the grappling realm. I think we'll see Poklet get this fight to the ground over and over again, and I think he'll be able to fend off the grappling approaches or at least attempts from uh, Ankamp here, and that will allow him to grind out that top position and potentially find a finish in the latter half of this matchup. I see that the over-under is stuck at one and a half at this point in time, and I think the over is worth a little bit of a bite, but I expect this fight to eventually get finished probably in the latter half of the second round or midway point of the third round. So I like the over one and a half most. I like the Poklit side here, as I think his wrestling will allow him to dictate where this fight takes place, and then I think he eventually finds that finish in the latter half of this fight. Give me Luka Poklit inside the distance, let's call it second round or third round. Moving on to the next fight, we got Denise Keelholds going up against Paula Cristina. We got Keelholds looking to uh, snap a career-worst three-fight losing streak that she's on right now. Uh, She had a very close fight against then-champion Juliana Velasquez, a fight that went to a split decision, which she ended up on the short end of the stick of, but a lot of people thought she believed to win that fight myself included, who had some decent coin on Juliana Velasquez that night. But unfortunately, Keelholds has not been able to find the victory since that matchup as she's... uh She's lost a fight to Kana Watanabe, I believe it was, and then she lost her last fight to Elara Joanni. Both fights where she could have won them, but she let them slip through her fingers, and I'm expecting a very motivated version of her this time around to utilize her superior striking to beat up Paula Castrina on the feet. Christina is making her Bellator debut, but I believe that she's making some solid improvements with every single fight. It's just unfortunate that she hasn't fought anybody at the level of Denise Kielholz to this point in time, and she might end up being the goods. But I just don't believe in her experience that she's been able to garner thus far. And I think that's ultimately going to have her uh, behind in this fight. I don't have a whole lot of confidence on Keelholds because I believe that there's still some uncertainty on the Christina side. Unless somebody really jumps off the page in terms of their talent level on the regional scene, it's a kind of a toss-up in terms of how they'll eventually do when they make it to the UFC or when they'll make it to Bellator. And that's the, you know pickle that Paula Cristina finds herself in right now so I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this matchup but I do think that Denise Keelholds is the side here and I think she gets her hand raised via decision 
Next up, we got Thibaut Gauti going up against Kane Musa. This is the fight that I have, you know, the least conviction about. Both guys are pretty much good at, you know, what either is good at. They're both good at MMA. Um, you know, I believe that Kane might be the slightly better striker, but I think that Gauti might be better at putting everything together. Uh, I'm going to lean with the Gauti side, but I like the over two and a half most. I think that both these guys will be able to nullify each other's uh, positive advantages. Um, you know, I think a lot of this will take place in the grappling realm without the guy jockeying for position i think that would be gauti who ends up ahead more often than not i also think that he'll have the slight cardio advantage in this matchup too but this is a fight i do not feel a whole lot good about i get that gauti is a slight favorite here but i think this fight should be a toss-up so if you want to call it that maybe kane musa has a little bit more value in him in this spot but i feel best about the over two and a half here i think both these guys nullify each other but i think it ends up being gauti getting his hand raised as he ends up uh, procuring more control time in better positions and uh just looking a little bit more dominant than kane musa next up we got a big fight here in the welterweight division with uh douglas lima who's on a four fight losing streak since losing his title to uh yaroslav amasov uh very unfortunate run that he's on right now but he just can't seem to get his hand raised unfortunately for him i thought he deserved to win the the michael venom page fight I thought he did enough in that first round. Then obviously MVP won round two. And then it was obvious that Douglas Lima won round three. But unfortunately for him, he was in the hometown of MVP. And MVP ended up getting his hand raised there. In his next matchup, he ended up getting grinded out by Jason Jackson. And that's usually been the uh, approach for most fighters at this point in his career. We know that Douglas Lima is a very solid striker with good leg kicks and some decent power in his hands. But he doesn't seem to have much fight when it comes to somebody looking to take him to the ground. Van Stienis is a guy that trains with the headliner Gegard Musasi, and he comes from a bit of a striking background where you see his flashy kicks in play when he really gets into his groove. But he also has an improving ground game, which I think is going to come into play here as he'll be able to strike with Douglas Lima, but then utilize his superior grappling to get this fight to the ground and control the veteran. Douglas Lima, 35 years old, I think he's on the tail end of his, of his career, and he just hasn't been able to catch up with the times in terms of fighters being way more well-rounded than he is at this point. You know, we're talking about a guy that was uh, Bellator champion in the early goings of the promotion. And I think that the game is just slowly starting to pass him by. And Van Steen is, is going to be another reminder of that. It hurts me to say that because I'm a big Douglas Lima fan. Unfortunately for him, I think Van Steen is, is just a little bit too much for him at this moment in time. I'm going to go with Van Steen is and Van Steen is by decision. That brings us to our lightweight Grand Prix opening round matchup that we have here between Mansoor Barnoui going up against Brent Primus. This is a very fun fight between two guys that primarily like to grapple. I think Barnoui has a very unorthodox striking style where he likes to utilize his length, elbows, and knees to really hurt his opponents from distance, but he does his best work even when he ends up on his back on the mat. He does a very good job in terms of pulling off that half-guard sweep, and he's even been able to pull it off against high-level black belts in the past. Brent Primus is a very solid black belt in his own right, and he has some good jiu-jitsu chops. Uh, he was even able to pull off an Omoplata victory a couple fights back, I believe against Davy Gagnon. I could be off on the person. Actually, I think it was against Tim Wilde, but uh, very slick off of his back as well. But I think that Barnoui offers a little bit more issues in terms of that. I think that Barnoui is the dark horse of this lightweight Grand Prix, as a lot of people don't really know him since he only has one fight in the Bellator promotion thus far. But this is a 
guy who's already won a one million dollar prize in a lightweight or a lightweight tournament for a Korean promotion Road FC, and he has a ton of experience under his belt already with other top promotions. I believe he holds belts in. Let me just get this right. Uh, M1 Global in Road FC and Bama, which are all very respectable regional promotions from either side of the world, and I think that he'll be able to put together a solid winning streak, or sorry, continue his winning streak right now, uh, which is eight fights at this moment in time uh, to you know take his way to maybe even the semifinals of this tournament. I think he eventually finds a submission here over Brent Primus. I was kind of surprised that he was such a big favorite when I looked at the odds here, but I do think he ends up winning this fight. I think he ends up finding a submission probably halfway through this fight and winning it and advancing to the next round of the Grand Prix. Heading over to the main event, we got Gegard Mousasi coming off of his title losing effort to Johnny Eblen last time around. He goes up, goes up against Costello Van Stinas, who's looking to really assert himself in the top of this division. Uh, or sorry, not Van Stinas, I apologize. He trains with Van Stinas. He's going up against Fabian Edwards, who's currently riding a two-fight winning streak after losing two straight losses. Uh, he ended up losing to Costello Van Stinas, and then he ended up losing to Austin Vanderford, who was able to put him through the ringer with the grappling now Gegar Mousasi has primarily been known to be a striker but when the matchup calls for it he's a very good grappler as well he's a very underrated grappler who's able to get that top position against most of his opponents and just do work from on top and ground and pound them this is a five-round fight which I really believe favors the former champion in Gegard Mousasi and I think the wealth of experience that he has here is going to be a big big advantage over the guy in Fabian Edwards who's still trying to put together a resume against some of the top level in the division i don't really get the love or hype around fabian as i don't think he has a grappling to match what johnny eblin was able to do to musasi nor do i think he has a significant striking advantage here to do work against musasi in the striking room i think musasi has him covered everywhere in this matchup and i wouldn't be surprised to see musasi look to get this fight to the ground where he can rain off big shots from on top and eventually get in ground and pound victory in this fight i really like musasi in the spot i think he does i think this is an easy matchup for him if i'm being honest i think fabian edwards has known been to have looked for the exit in past matchups that aren't really going his way and i just don't think he's ready for this huge step up in competition this is the toughest matchup he's had in his entire career and i just don't think it's going to go good for him give me gegar musasi musasi inside the distance and there you guys go, a breakdown of all 14 fights, which was 17 earlier this week. We had three fights fall off over the last couple of days, but we still got 14 good fights set up for uh, Bellator's return to France. Uh, yeah, nothing really else to say. I got the Lockheed Trinity dropping later on today. I got the three best prop bets dropping off later uh, on Friday. And then we're right back at it for UFC Vegas 73 on Monday. Breakdowns for those fights are already dropping on the Patreon. So check the link in the description below if you want to get an early look at what I'm looking at for that matchup before the public gets their hands on it. All right. Good luck on all your action this week, folks. And I'll see you guys again later this week or at least tomorrow for the other segments I like to do. Peace. Last thing. Bah.